Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Why don't we eat? Dear Doc, or the boss, I'll have your spam. I love it. I'm having spam, spam, spam. Cornflakes. 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 Any fancy pint? Suit you, sir. Spam, 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 baked beans, spam, 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 and spam. I said I don't want any damn vegetables. Lentils are really good, you know? Mmm, forbidden donut. Lights on. We're ready for your close-up, Mr. Smith. Hello, everybody. It's uh, 12.02 here on 3 RFM. It's uh, after the science has, uh, has happened. So we move from the brain to the stomach. We have a little bit of brain stuff as well, I hope. Hi, my name's Cam Smith. It is the name of the show that you're listening to. Across from me, it is my utter, utter, utter delight... To introduce Matt Steadman. Hello. Hello, Cameron and everyone. Welcome mm. to the afternoon here on Triple R. Oh, you're, you're doing all calm and smooth, aren't you? Yeah. Hey, okay, let's bring it down. It is the afternoon, after all. All that uh, all that running around you had to do in the morning. <laughs> you can just chill out now. Yeah. Sit back, relax. Yeah. Plug in your headset. Do that sort of stuff. Or if you're on the road... You know, do that too. But uh-huh. we're delighted that you're here. And boy, have we got a good show for you today. Yes. John talks about child rearing. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, he does at the beginning of the thing, but he gives a great market report uh, as we sort of hurtle our way towards summer. The market's just looking fantastic. And yes. we look at a few things and... Uh, we talk about a few little dishes, so that's something to look forward to very, very shortly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to work from the end, the back end of the show, mm. last on the show. Mm. We've got the, uh, and I've been dying to say this because it makes me feel hip, mm. hip, the OG. Yes. I get to use the word OG, and it's right, isn't it? It is. And why is that, Matt? Because we're talking about one of the uh, the original craft brewers in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Uh, who plied that trade for uh, two Many, decades. Yeah. Hand-sealed uh, yes. with uh, his partner Dave. Yes. Two million. Two million, count them, stubbies of beer, bottles, mm. uh, containers of beer. Mm-hmm. Worked really, really hard. Of course, we speak of the dynamic duo of Cam uh, and Dave. Yes, originally Mountain Goat. Yeah, Cam Hines is in the house. We've got him back. He's looking amazing. Yes. Uh, and uh, he's using his powers for good now that he's uh, <laughs> he's he's walked away from beer, although those yes. powers were very good too. Agreed. And, uh, and now he spends his time in the sea, in the ocean, mm. swimming and looking, seeking and propagating seaweed. 
Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So we are going to be talking to Cam Hines about his new business. I'm just pulling up my running sheet because yes. I was very, very slack and I had it uh, uh, away. Uh, yes, Southern Sea Greens is the name of the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wakame and uh, Native Kelp and other products. Mm. And also a really nice tea towel. Oh. Yeah. yeah. We'll describe that. We'll use the magic of radio to <laughs> describe it. Anyway, Cam's on. Yes. Delighted to see him. You pulled up this old photo, which we might... Well, I, I think the first time we had the Mountain Goat Lads on, um, was I'm thinking it was like the late 90s, which is ageing us all. And it uh-huh. was just as they'd finished uh, hand bo- or hand capping. Yes. The, but they'd invested in a bottling or a, a capping machine. And they were, they were dancing. They were doing a little jig in yes. the studio because of this free at last, they said. <laughs> free at last. Free at last. Anyway, Cam's going to talk about seaweed and uh, uh, the incredible nutritional properties of it, mm-hmm. the rise of Japanese cuisine. Look, we'll have a great chat. We yeah. really, really will. Um, and uh, to kick us off once we uh, have our little chat here, um, it's hard to believe that you can innovate with pizza. I would agree with pizza. That, yes. It's yeah, just, yeah. you know, it's a dough. You stick it in the oven, you put some stuff on top of it, yep. you put it out, everybody eats it, they're all happy, everything is good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wrong. Except the problem is that sometimes pizza can just feel a little bit, what have I done? I've eaten too much pizza. Mm. Because it can sit in the stomach really bad. Mm -hmm. Along comes this product... Uh, that uh, was uh, is is an incredible new product. Well, it's been around for a few years. Comes from Roma, mm. so it's authentic. Yes, okay, genuine. It's okay. yes, valid. Thank, thank yes. God for that. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the pincer. P i n s a pincer. Throw those Z's away. Yeah, right. Grab an S, just one. And you've got the product. This is a very, very special dough. We'll find out what makes it special mm. uh, a little bit later because we have from Pinsabella in uh, 100 uh, St Kilda Road, mm. south side. Sorry, folks, for all you northerners. You're going to have to get your visa ready and go across the <laughs> pack, Yarra. Pack your passport. Pack your passport. Away you go. Uh, but it's a reason <laughs> to travel south. Uh, and we're going to talk to Kamene who's going to be our first guest um, yes. very, very shortly. So that's uh, that's the show. Um, I want to just put a, a nail in mm. this date and or this week, really, because something mm. incredible happened. Mm. 20 years mm. of Frank Camora doing incredible Spanish ah. food. 20 years of Movida. Two decades. Yeah, and uh, they celebrated that with an incredible party, which... Um, can you hear that? That's the tapping of frustration and <laughs> tears of renting, almost renting my garments because I missed out on the party. Because you had to decline. I had to work. Yeah, to you were double booked. Yes. See, Fro- there it is a again. good party at Movita too. You missed out. Oh, all that tomato, all those anchovies and tomatoes. Yeah. Oh, anyway, but can we just say, forget about me, huh? Because I know you're thinking that out there in Radio Land. Yeah, mm. it's not all about you, Cam, you mm. egotistical animal. Happy anniversary to you, Frank Kamora. You have made the food scene better for you being here, mm-hmm. I'd have to say. Yes. And uh, you have delighted uh, and beguiled us with the things that you have cooked. And, um, yeah, Melbourne's a better place for having you. I agree. Like to add, and please. continue to uh, delight and beguile. It's still one of the... It's one of the... You know, there's like the handful of places in Melbourne that if you're taking tourists, mm-hmm. you just go, you know what? Mm-hmm. You've only got a couple of nights in Melbourne and you just kind of want to learn a little bit about what we're about. Yep. Movita is absolutely on that list. And how good we are. Yeah, look at us. How good are we? How good are we? Just ask us. <laughs> go on. Have yeah. a look at this, huh? Yeah, go on. Have another anchovy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yes, well done. Here, here. And uh, there was something else you wanted to bring up oh, because this is in the in the just the terms, are you ready to put on your little Schadenfreude hats <laughs> if there's such a thing? Schadenfreude. I have news from the Triple R or the Eat It boardroom. I'm from the economic front. Yeah, yeah. So the Eat It board of directors are delighted to announce. After, I think it's 23 years of operating in Australia. Yes. That plucky uh, young upstart business. Yes. What it was? Starbucks. Starbucks, yes. What about them, Matt? It's the first time it's made a profit. Hey! <laughs> good on you guys. So uh, Just keep banging those rocks together, guys. So for you know, it launched in Australia, I think, back in the in the early noughties. And you and I were reminiscing around this because yeah. we remember when Starbucks okay. launched. They'll never make their money back. <laughs> 
and true to form. Um, yeah. It didn't and, yeah. and hasn't for so many years. Yeah. So uh, there's a delightful phrase in the Sydney Morning Herald article. Oh, yeah. Who's the byline? We, 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 we... I'll get to say Starbucks entered the market in 2000 and expanded at an aggressive pace that far outstripped Australian appetite for the brand. <laughs> That's a burn. That's from uh, Jessica Ewan in the Sydney Morning Herald. Good on um, you, Jessica. That's... But no, apparently the uh, the uptick, the the reversal in Starbucks's fortunes is driven by Gen Z Gen and Z. their delight for uh, iced coffee, which oh, yeah. I guess is something yeah. you don't get at your inner laneway beardy hipster cafe. I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Um, Unless you get a Mont Blanc down in Ligon Street. Yes. Yeah, which is. Um... And maybe there's also like a hint of sort of post irony cool about liking Starbucks. I don't know. But... And can I also say this is maybe um, an ongoing thing mm. from um, places like Gongcha uh, yes. and bubble tea type places that do a lot of these cold drinks. That it's maybe... funny. Why do I think Gongcha is valid, whereas you'd never catch me dead in Starbucks? I don't know why that is. Oh, well, because well, that's a good question. Thank you. Um, yeah, we'll ponder, on, ponder that on that, people. <laughs> Triple R on FM, digital, online, via the app. It is my honour and my happy, I mean, I'm so happy to introduce to you uh, from Pinsabella in the glorious Southland in uh, St Kilda Road, Carmine. And I never, I've never caught your last name. What's your last Costantini. name? Costantini. Oh, Costantini. That's a strong name. I like <laughs> yes. that. Carmine Costantini. Yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful name. Thank you. Um, there are people that uh, remember your cooking fondly when I posted uh, on the Instagram. And if you want to have a look at uh, Carmine's Pizza, either go to Pinzabella or my Instagram, Camp Smith, eat it. Someone was mourning the loss of your beautiful gnocchi that you used to make. Was that at the Yark Tea Rooms when you were yeah, there? Yeah, also in my restaurant, Osteria La Passione, the provisional restaurant. Where was, where was that? In Richmond. In Richmond? Bridge Road, yeah. So you've been cooking for quite a while, huh? Yeah, I started washing dishes when I was 13. Yeah. Where was that? I'm still there. Yeah. <laughs> in South Italy, where I was born in Benevento. Yes. And then at 16, or age of 16, I moved to Modena. Yes. In Romagna. What, to uh, work on Ferraris? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. of course. Near Marmello. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and then I started my career slowly, slowly, as a cook, and then... Poco, poco, Yes, huh? and then come over in 2005 yes. in Australia. Been working, yes, like in uh, two, three Italian restaurants, mm. like uh, Fecucina, Tea Room, Sofia, yes. and Stefano De Pieri. Yeah. Oh, you worked and, up in Mildura. Yeah. And then after wow. Stefan opened my first Osteria in 2010. Mm. And then Pasta Dodge in 2017. Mm. And, and it was... Break with the COVID and then our Pinza Boom. <laughs> and um, it's, a, it's a mutual friend who first introduced me and told me about it, the Prosecco Queen. Yeah. Melissa, Melissa. Brower. Yes. Mel, if you're listening, yes. thank you for this and uh, for getting me to do that. And I just came in one day to, to see what you're doing and... Uh, you were serving something that has, it's a pizza, no Zs, <laughs> it's a pinza with P-I-N-S-A. Yes. Tell correct. us about the pinza story. Okay, the pinza so, uh, was born in 2001 in Roma mm -hmm. uh, from this gentleman called Corrado Di Marco. I think a four or five generation bakery. Yeah, because he, he, he yeah. says that he learned yes. a lot from his grandfather. And then a lot mm. of testing, a lot of testing. Then he created this beautiful dough with a mix of three different flowers, uh, like wheat, soy, rice flour. Something unusual from mm. Italy. Because Say that again slowly. It was wheat? Wheat, soy, rice flour. Yeah, three. Not usually. And these two, we, we understand we're so used to having a really good hard wheat yeah. Flour for pizza and yeah, pizza and, and bread. Here I've been talking because you know the the Melbourneese, you know yes. the Italians that are here. They say unless you do a forty eight hour prove, you're <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, yeah, you're not, a, you're not a, you know. And Matt's found this because he's got a pizza maker and he's doing it too. Okay. Yes, but pizza because of the founder yes. has taken this a much bigger stage. Yes, taken it further. Yes, is it? Combination from through the three different flowers, the long fermentation and hydration is making this base really, really light and easy to digest. Yeah, and in layman's uh, terms, that, that means so it has been matured for much longer. And we talk about hydration; the dough itself is a lot wetter. Yes, than yes, yes, a normal yes. dough w is. Yes, uh, I find well, you can do between from twenty four seventy two hours. Yeah, mm. it's a schedule. Like depend how technique 
how you use you manage the dough mm-hmm. in the fridge, and then after many testing, I I prefer the long fermentation because it's hard to deal with. It's hard to yeah. to work on because it's very very uh, liquid, you know. The dough. Yeah. And you, and you little can't bit extra really be work, but I'm happy because the result in the end when the the people eating is really really light high the the durability, especially for the people that that age, you know, mm-hmm. the beer. And then I said, well, you know what? I just keep going with this, which is I think is good formula. Yeah. It, it certainly is, and. Um, and what you get, and here's my impression of it, I'm dying for Matt to go and, and try one of these, is that it comes out um, and because of the rice flour, this is my, yep. my interpretation, I could be wrong, um, is it's, it's very lovely and dry and it, you can scrape your fingernail on it and it's rough down. It's so sometimes when you have a pizza and you go and you take the slice and you go and you feel the crust is good and then you go and you take it and you go, oh... It's all soggy in the middle. Yeah. This yeah. is not soggy in the middle. It is crisp on the outside. It is fluffy on the inside. And the most important thing that I noticed about this is that once you finish eating it, it sits in the tummy really, really well. Yeah. The digestibility is yeah. very good. straight away, yeah. Sometimes you feel after half an hour you eat, you feel empty, but... Mm. Content, like mm. you almost you want it again, you know, yeah. which is good thing. You start to like, oh, you know, mm. you can't digest. Fit. Yes, uh, th- this is a good point actually, coming because apart the three different flavors for the dough, mm. I use well. This has come from the school because I'm association for the Pinza Romana. Yeah, we have to talk the, about yeah. that too. Yeah, and we use the spolvero di riso, which is whoa, 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 not, the, the uh, it's called in Italiano spolvero. Uh, it's called, yeah, it's the words like because the rice they make this flour to use when I'm stretching a pre bake yes. pinza. That's why the crispiness. Is come up because and you stretch, and the, and the word pinza comes from the Roman word. Yeah, to from uh, from Latinum, uh, yeah. the word is use the words like a pinza because yeah. in uh, Latino pinzare, which means a stretching. Pinzare, yeah. You know, they they use to make different for the pizza. You yep. change the shape, the name, you know, to make something different. But yeah, mm. uh, because you have to pre-cook when the dough is ready. It's not like the normal pizza. The pizza is stretchy, you know, you top and you cook the other way. That's the beauty from the pizza because mm. um, when it's re- the dough is, is ready, you have to. Otherwise, the dough keep going rising and you lose the dough. You can't use the dough anymore. So, like 60 seconds, you know, in or out in the oven, then you stop the fermentation everything. And then after that, you finish cooking whatever you like. That's why I... I make the base to do it on retail. Yeah. So easy to finish cook at home. You buy, you play around, and you can finish home in five minutes. And the uh, the th- the thing is that you have managed to get this uh, these pincer doughs, these pre-made uh, bases yep. already done, and you've got them in Mediterranean wholesalers yes. in uh, in Sydney Road, yeah. which is a hell of an achievement. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well done. We were yeah. A round of applause. Yeah, I think you're also because we were talking about this in that uh, when you talk to other people, they take, especially Italians, they take note when you go, they're going, yeah, yeah, what is it? Oh, yeah, pin, yes. Pretty good. oh, yeah, it's pretty good, I guess. Yeah, where were you selling? You know? And you go, Mediterranean. Oh, Mediterranean. Yeah, no, I mean, huh? Actually, that's a good point. Mediterranean, uh, for me, as Italian, have been yeah. there for 20 years since when I'm here, you yeah. know, shopping. It would be one of the first places people take oh, you yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for me, I, I think at the moment I go, maybe 15 shops around Melbourne. Mm-hmm. But Mediterranean was the big taste for me because mm-hmm. when the all people that try say that's just good buy they go wow for me like you know Italian we make own home no no yeah. no I got my own and they say oh my god like, that's good and winner and even the nonnas oh yeah hey! especially the nonna that's oh, yeah. Yeah. that's the point the nonna yeah. with the son or with the daughter yeah. because uh, when they try for that's just good can you buy two three put in the trolley they go wow. I was a shocker. They go great. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you you can uh, you know when you when you got the nonna. So yeah, pinza. I've just as a little historical thing for you folks. Um, I've just my little yep. bit of background That's info. Uh, pinza it, it traces its origins back to the Roman Empire. Yes, uh, when it was considered delicious, uh, and that ancient priests offered it to the gods. And the poet Virgil in his uh, in his poetry wrote that. Peasants in the Roman countryside needed grains, salt, and herbs 
to make a low and oval cake cooked over coals. And so from that, this was refined by... Now, who is the, Cor- go- who's Cor- the godfather? Corrado di Marco. Corrado di Marco. So he's the one who, who, who made the ratio and the recipe. And is it a proper way to describe this that he almost franchises out... His flour? Do you, because you have to join like a, well, a controllata originata. Yeah, original. I'm part yeah. of the association because, yeah. uh, okay, is the Corrado di Marco the inventor? He got the mail to the flour. He came and up then, with the ratio and the, and the then, formula. Yes, the formula. And then they opened the pizza school, mm. which I went because you need to go to school to learn. It's <laughs> no normal pizza yes. like everyone does. And uh, after that, you got the association of uh, the Pinzaioli, the mm. originale Pinza Romana, which is the original Pinza Romana, because yep. after that we know how the male they started to make the flower. It's, it's like DOC, DOC type thing yeah, for one. I yeah. meant it was like uh, Ferrari is only one. You mm. can't recopy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yes, yeah, so we got, I think, seven, eight thousand uh, Pinzeria uh, originale mm. around the world. And yes. you're one of them. Yes, I am one, one of these in Melbourne. I think we are two. It's another, another pizzeria in Melbourne. In Melbourne? Yes. Okay. Well. And, uh, yeah, and to be certified, you need to use the, the criteria what they teach at school. Otherwise, you, they can't give you the certification. Can they take it away? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you have, I wonder if you have secret shoppers that come all the way from Roma. Just uh, Yeah, yeah, of course. They do? Oh, they do? Okay. Mm. So... The uh, the good news is that you can pick up these uh, these already made up yep. and try them yourselves. You can get it at Mediterranean. Where else can you get it? Oh, I got the Toscano shop, uh, yeah. Leos, Leos this week, Cicluda, yeah. uh, Boccaccio Sella. Uh, I got, uh, and they and, and they should be around about ten bucks. Yeah, ten, yeah. ten, eleven. Yeah. Depend, depend. You know okay. the area. Depends. And, but around the yeah, between and, ten, eleven. And this is great because most of the time with your stuff, you use just the muti. Um, yep. On the top, I use simple ingredients. Tomato. Whack it in the oven. And it comes out, or if you want to uh, to try it and uh, get Carmenere to make one yourself, come to 100 St Kilda Road, St Kilda. Look up Pinsabella. Don't put a Z in there. It has to have an S. Um, <laughs> I applaud you with your product. It is. Uh, it's not often. Well, I never thought in my life to I say, "Wow, that's a really innovative pizza." But <laughs> that's a really innovative pizza. Yes, <laughs> Matt. Anything to add to that? No, other than I want to try one. Yeah. Having now just, just seen your Instagram, I was like, "Ooh, that look great." Oh, good. So yeah. Instagram, Cam Smith, eat it, or also uh, Carmine's got an Instagram too. Have a look. Uh, we do a round of applause for Pinsa. Thank you. Hey, and uh, Thank and you, you for being a, a fabulous human being. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. E buona pinza tutti. Hey. <laughs> this is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how. Three or four kids in time. They're all doing what they're told. Yeah, they're good. Beautiful-looking kids. Yeah, they're looking good. They're... But most kids are runners like mine. Mine would be halfway to Sydney by now if I let him. <laughs> but these children are beautiful. They stay with mum because they know they get their rewards, a bit of this and a bit of that to eat on the way. Do, do you remember sometimes you'd see it in the market? I haven't seen it for a while. And good morning, John. Hi. Good morning. You no, sprung no, that on me. Yeah. I did. I know I did. Well, I thought I'd get the ambience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you'd see kids... With the mums or dads with the leads on them so they won't get away? I still see it sometimes. But like I said, some kids are adventurous. And and not just the boys. Some of the little girls, they love to look and touch. And, and, you know, before you know, they're halfway Or up up on the the roof. Oh, yeah, that too. down anyway. too. So, yeah, so they had them on a lead. So you stay, Johnny. (laughs) You're not not going anywhere, Johnny. Uh, What a beautiful bloody day. Oh, it's beautiful. Isn't this lovely moment where they... You know, the hot weather um, in the last week made us feel really tired. Mm. And then the wind gave us all asthma and hay fever. And hay fever. But now it's settling down again, so thank God for that. It's a, it's a great Sunday. And i got to say, the, uh, the produce is looking the better for it. Everything is looking fantastic. I'm seeing some amazing brain-snapping prices. I have seen ginger for about $12 a kilo. That is fantastic. Was it young ginger or No, no, it, it, it's old. It's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
good. Good, though. Um, and check this out. I've just got something. This is something... I don't know if we've ever really talked about this. No, okra. we haven't, actually. Yeah, I've got some okra from across the way. $10 a kilo. Looking pretty good. It is. This is nice and clean okra. Yeah. Uh, or ladyfinger. Ladyfinger. Um, Originally they, they from... They weird. From Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is not something that we normally eat in our family, but I have eaten it and I have fried it. Yes. We fry them like a capsicum because they end up tasting nearly like a capsicum. They go, they can go sort of all nutty and there's just this real depth of flavour. Yeah. They take tomato uh, puree really, really well. Yeah. But you can put them into a lot of dishes and they shine as well. It's yeah. not that they um, blend in, you know. The colours are there, the seeds are there. Um, yeah. Changes the flavour of your dish a little bit. Beautiful in a lot of the Middle Eastern dishes, the way they do them. And, and even the Chinese. I've had them done... Um, uh, they were bloody hot, what can I say? Yeah, right, OK. <laughs> they sorted you out. But I was talking to an Indian woman uh, before because I was going. she was going through them as well. We were going through them together. I said, what are you going to do with them? She said, oh, yeah, Indian spices, sometimes with potato. Yes, so okra yes. aloo, we could yeah. probably call that. That would be the, the thing. So $10 a kilo. Oh, and also it's got to be that's mentioned. Cheap. That's really cheap. And it's got to be mentioned that um, uh, the Southeast Asian variety would be wok fried um, and then with lots of garlic, lots of chilli, lots of coriander. That's really good yeah, too. Yeah, it is. Hey. It is. That's, that's what I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, and I'm the type that I'll try everything. Yeah. And I don't mind the heat when I know it's coming, so it yeah. was beautiful. Yeah. Um, I think we had pork beside it. It was really, really nice. That sounds good. Hey, um, I've got a little bit of advice to ask you too. Um, I went in, it's a friend's birthday today, and I'm going to cook something special. I've got some of those Canadian scallops, the big... The nude ones. Yeah, the nudie ones. Yeah, yeah. No row, no sexual organs attached, just the muscle. Um, and I am I was going to do mine with a little cauliflower puree, cooked, fried with thyme and butter, about a minute on each side. What do you do with scallops? Probably about the same. I normally buy the uh, local ones with the yeah. row on, yeah. but I have cooked those ones that you're uh, talking about. Yeah, um, as I, I say normally, I like to keep it simple because I like to keep the flavour of the scallop and let it shine. Yeah. But for some reason, you know, mayonnaise keeps popping in my head. And I think <laughs> it, yeah. not the right thing. Maybe the sauce that you're talking about with that little bit of thyme and butter. Yeah. But very quick. I only cooked them a couple of minutes because you don't want to dry them out and let them shrivel up. Because that's what we used to do with them um, back in the day. And they and, turned so tough. And, and you may as well chew on a bit of leather. And, yeah. and, and you've lost all the flavours. And the, all the um, moisture's been... It's yeah. like a muscle. Yeah. It's like a sponge. It it's is. like squeezing a sponge. Yeah. All the flavour goes out. So anyway, we'll do it nice and simple. Simply um, as we do. I've got some show and tell here. What have I picked to start off? Oh, grapes have started. Yeah, these are coming out of Emerald in Queensland, which is pretty far north enough for sure. us. Yeah, Sweet um, Globe, these are the these, uh, white these, ones. Uh, I'm reading the name. It's Marciano. Who knows if they're distantly re related to Rocky, but I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, Maybe but, they, they, yeah. they'd be fighters on the land. We yeah, say we're, we've got the... This is a Menindi grape. Uh, it's a crunch grape. It's not a sugar grape. It does have sugar, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, it's a crunch grape more than anything. It's crisp. Ooh, um, it's pretty tart. They, yeah, well, at first, you know, it's, they're like babies. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, they're not cheap. We were selling 22. I changed the price to 20 flat. Oh. Uh, it's well, a lot of money for some people, but... I might have to put them back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, yeah, people have got the attitude you have to eat. You only live once, live well, live long. Come on. And okay. I can't help but think, because many years ago, you uh, said to me, Cam, one of the great things about grapes is if you're roasting a chicken... It's still, it's in my mind, John. I can't help it. You said, put a handful of the grapes in about half an hour beforehand or maybe a little bit more because they cook down, they get all caramelised and then they just become these little sugar bags and it goes good. Yeah, or even if you make a uh, stuffing, simple stuffing, mm. like, you know, your egg, cheese, um, some fresh muscatels, parsley, garlic. Yep. Um, 
shove that into the chicken and, and all the flavours of the grapes go through the stuffing and the chicken flavour goes into the stuffing and you've got this marriage that's beautiful. Sounds good. Speaking of marriages, it's sounding beautiful. Can you smell the garlic wafting through here? Yeah. Someone's I, frying garlic. I can't tell if it's the food vans up in Seashed because yeah. there's a few up there every day. That's or if someone's cooking their breakfast, which is what we used to do once upon a time, you know, oh. we, we all had the little primuses, and yeah. that. now we've gone modern with the microwaves. It's not the same. Do you remember old Louis? Yeah, yeah. Louis up there, yeah. he used to be up the road. Great vegetable server. When I used to have a restaurant in West Melbourne, I used to walk down. Jamal. Stand by. Sorry. Yeah, no. Okay. Sorry. No, one day, it was one of the greatest days. I thought, oh my God, I've been accepted in the market. Louis asked me to join him for a meal, and we uh, we pulled up the milk crate, and he, I had like a king. It's like eating at the flower drum here in well, the market. Well, yeah, they had the rice cooker, yeah, and in there they went the fatty pork or yeah. a, a little bit of fish, a little, little bit of veggies, a little bit of veg, oh. and, and all the beautiful sauces on top. He knew how to. And then that, out man. come the little bowl and the chopsticks. No, yeah. no forks or spoons. Yeah, that's how I had to learn to eat. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, and, they ate well. Well, yeah, yeah, and you know, in the early days, we were lucky. Uh, we had a uh, an Aussie lady down in the um, dairy hall. They had the cafe. They yeah. used to make beautiful uh, food. You know, bacon and eggs, lamb's fry and eggs. <laughs> and then when they closed, um, well, we said we can't go and eat bread and stuff or buy stuff. So yeah. we brought in the gas primus and um, we were making bacon, eggs and tomatoes. And What happened s- to those days? Why, why not? Yeah. No more. Life's, well, everyone says life's getting faster, things yeah. change. Uh, and I don't, then, don't know and, about that. We I, get lazy. And i got to also, if we were reminding of this, we'd probably say one of the king of the toasties of the Vic Market was Cam Russell, who had the thing down there when he used to sell the mushrooms. Yeah, and yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Cam, if you're listening, up in Beaufort, I don't know, but yeah, he used to do great toasties. Back to the produce. Uh, well, we got? We're on eight minutes, so we, we better keep moving. We we touched on garlic, and, yes. and I'm going to smack you because you only oh, what have I done the now? imported stuff. Yeah, well, we nothing about wrong this with this. This, this. this is um, Patagonia, South American. Yeah, South American. All right, it is beautiful. It's pink. It's robust. Mm. But look at this. We got beautiful Aussie stuff, mate. It's got another couple of weeks bigger too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look it, at that strap. It's got big. a very thick strap, um, the size of my little finger. Some people's thumb. John's <laughs> John's got really big hands. Um, just so you know. So his well, little finger's the, pretty big. These straps are about fifteen centimeters long or more. Yep. So I say to people, start at the end. You chop it like garlic. You won't know if it's garlic or the strap because, mm. it, well, it is garlic. So, yeah. but it's just part of the plant. Yep. Um, look how thick it stick right through. It's got yeah. the hard, hard bit in the middle. And then when you get to the garlic head, it'll be a little bit drier, um, and you can use it any way you like. It's beautiful. Um, like I said, nothing wrong with the imported. Don't get me wrong. It's not full of chemicals like people think. No. But when it's straight out of the ground. Anything's like a baby when it's straight out of the ground. Oh, and beautiful, the, soft, and the, fresh, and the way it peels because you can just yeah. yeah. It's a not lot of, a lot of people don't even peel it. Take one layer off, break it up, chuck it straight in a pot, straight in a roast. The skin's just so thin. Go well with those grapes and that chicken. All right. Uh, what else we got? Let's I've got quickly look at the colour of this. In the sun, it's even accentuated. Yeah. I bought this beautiful Murray Bridge tomato. We've got two different varieties. We've got this red one. It's bright red on the outside, bright red on the inside. Nice jelly in the middle, uh, which you need. Uh, That's where all the flavour is. There's a little bit of white from the stem, but it's not real thick like the Queensland stuff. I was actually going to say, this is sort of going, it's not quite white. This is where the calyx is. Yes. On the outside of the tomato. That's what's holding the tomato up. Yeah, and how it attaches to the plant. But this is sort of looks yellow. It's it looks beautiful. It is. And then we've got another variety from Murray Bridge, which is a little bit crunchier, a little bit greener. Some of them you cut them in half. They've got green seeds. Not for me, but a lot of people love it because yes. they're higher in acid. Yep. This one's higher in sugar. Mm. Then you bought Rouge de Marmont. This is not as wrinkly as some of them. Some of them are really, really bad shape. But so, the, some of them look like they fold in on themselves. Yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, but they're all sugar, soft skin, more juice. Yeah. Broad beans were at ten dollars a kilo. Six dollars down. Oh, you, yeah, you yeah. Oh, gee, look, look at this. It wasn't looking. probably the last of them. That's what I thought. Short season. Not many people put them in. Mm. 
an Australian juvenile. I didn't have many. I didn't sell a lot like last year. Last year I couldn't get enough. Yeah. And this year, well, no that's one's the interested. Going. They're not listening yeah. to the radio. They're not doing that artichoke and potato. Different things, maybe this mm. season. Mm. Eggplant. These are pretty firm. Yeah, I'm not overly impressed when yeah. an eggplant's hard. Yeah. These are hydro, unfortunately. There's no field ones at the moment. Spongy eggplant is good eggplant, according to John. Definitely, because you get the field eggplant. If they've got a little bit of give, yeah. when you cut them in half, they're always white. Very little seed. Mm. These hydro, if uh, they're first or last of the season, it can be very bitter. Mm. Excuse me. Sometimes when you cut them in half and even in the middle of the season, they're full of seed. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you have a dish, you don't want all seed. You want more... Uh, more flesh. Yeah. More flesh. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we deal with what we've got. Yep. And yep. you bought a beautiful half cauliflower. Yeah, that's going with my scallops. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to puree them. Cook that, puree it down, add a little bit of cream. It's going to have a little bit of tima, a little bit of thyme in there. Uh, maybe mix in a little bit of butter. Uh, it's going to be... It's not everyday food, John, but it's going to be good. What if you do something different? Say, cut Okay, it, what? Cut it, cut it in. Into, this is a half, so... Oh, you're going to do steaks. Cut it, cut it into very thin steaks, brush yep. it with oil, yep. and then put that in the oven. And just as it's changing colour, put that under your scallops. You'll see you get a little bit of crunch oh, as well. Oh, I love that. That yeah, sounds good. But the puree is good. As yeah. long as it's not collie soup. I don't, I'm not into collie soup. Collie soup can get grainy. can get grainy, and yeah. it can be too rich. A lot of people make it too rich. Yeah, um, Okay. There you go, but, but the collie's good. Your boat. And, and, and everybody's done their baked collies now, so I think we don't need to talk about that because I think we've uh, we've reached peak. Oh, and I brought these um, these little, um, they look like a little mini bullhorn. They're halfway yeah, between do. a bullhorn and a globe capsicum. They're very small. They're about the span of my palm. Um, one is beautiful red. The other is this, wow, unbelievably, yeah, that is just such a great yellow, your capsicum yeah, yellow, isn't it? Goldy yellow. Yep. Now these are, are, are long. They're not short and Ooh. fat. Yep. Um, we call these snacking capsicums because people, uh, especially children, yep. they get them and chew on them. And they're great. Um, I try my luck and take them home and ask Franca to stuff them and, and bake them. Good luck. Yeah, no, she's been a good girl. She's done it for oh, me. Oh, good. Hey, listen, um, I'm, life's good. I'm running over, so okay, I'm going to okay. have to do pick of the market. Pick of the market. I think we've already talked about yeah, it, guys. Yeah. Get out there, have a look. Yeah. Pick yeah. the eyes out of the market, as we say. That's good. OK, we're going to get back to the studio. And, uh, John, thanks as always. You're welcome. Hey, keep enjoying that sunshine. Have a magic day. All right, bud. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Hello, this is Richard Furnival-Jones from Harrods. Eat it. Well, I should hope so. Ah! <laughs> haven't heard that for ages. No. That was yeah. you from your 90s stint in uh, Old Blighty. It was a indeed. A very long time ago. It was indeed. And that was a time when um, we would have um, such guests and it's uh, rather sort of uh, – it's – Quite deliberate that we didn't do the thinking drinking song, but we must look back a little bit. Cam Hines, welcome back to the studios of Three Triple R. Thank you. It's so good to be back. Yeah, part of the Mountain Goat crew. So yeah, that was back in the day when we uh, we had you on back in Victoria Street to start off with. I think it was that, the the old studios. That would be right. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, yeah. I think Matt even dug up a photo of us. I did, yeah, well, yes, I'll grab, check it out now. This was Dateline 2004, believe mm. it or not. Yeah, and uh, here we go. You'll see, uh, well, me with... Look at, uh, look at these young boys. Look at these young youngsters. <laughs> so handsome. Yeah. What happened? A lot has changed in 20 years. It, it has yeah, indeed. Yeah, we've only improved. Yeah, but uh, the vitality has not, and the great thing is that you've gone from... Uh, brew, well, brewing and uh, and selling beer because this was the great model that was Mountain Goat and that there was this dynamic duo of one person who filled the kettles up with beer and then there was another person who got them out of the place and got them sold and you were the one who were the latter and, uh, yeah, and it was uh, a great career and I'm very, very happy to be, say, the OG of craft beer and how we, we'll, we'll get on to the new stuff but the fact that... We don't even say craft beer anymore. 
It's just beer. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? And it's so unreal that there's just such a wide variety yeah. readily available almost wherever you go. Yeah, and and beer now with food has become a thing and yeah. um, sour beers and all sorts of manifestations of it. And, boy, you were right at a great part of, as Matt said so beautifully, part of a breaking wave. Yeah, possibly 10 years too early. <laughs> yeah, well, the first yeah. ten years were very difficult. Yeah, it was us drinking our own beer at the GB and yes. the Napier. Yes, and uh, and trying to rope our mates in to, to go up and order. Can you some. help us drink it? Yeah, <laughs> please. It sounds sad, but that's what that's what, what was happening for a while. Well, too the, long. The great thing is, it was recognised, and uh, and uh, there was, a, shall we say, a sea change has happened. If I could uh, just pluck that from the air, and uh, you have decided that. Um, the sea is where I shall be, and uh, this is uh, where I will derive my the next innovations and uh, a livelihood. So tell us about how did you get into what you are doing now? Uh, well, first of all, let me start by saying I may well be 10 years ahead again, <laughs> too early, <laughs> but time will tell. Um, well, yeah. so, yeah, got out of GOAT and yeah. um, had a little bit of a rest, did a bit of business mentoring stuff, mm. uh, which was fine. We and didn't good. just go travelling for about five years. Yeah, no, well, you know, young family and uh, sort of, yeah. yeah. How old are they now? Uh, they're now 16 and 15. Would any of them be listening to this? Probably not. Oh, yeah, they're listening. They are? Yep. How, yep. What are their names? Uh, Lucy and Arlo. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Wave to your dad. There we go at the radio. Yes. So anyway, well, um, really, I, I watched. So you were a, mentoring. You were saying, yeah, yeah, doing a bit of that. And then yeah. I watched the Tim Flannery doco on oh, seaweed. Yes. And you know, I've always been a bit of a sustainability geek, and mm. I saw that, and I'm like, surely we Come. need to be doing this yeah. here. Come on. And at a similar time, my now business partner. Uh, so I've got two partners, Bert and Rob, mm. and Bert had just watched the 2040 movie. Oh, and yes. he's like, come dude, on, we dude. need to be growing seaweed. Yeah. So we didn't know each other at this point, but he sort of made a start at Flinders. Mm. And I was thinking, I really want to get into this, but I need someone. I ne- it's, it's like there's going to be so much time and energy on the water mm. and I need someone with skills and strength. You know, and strength. <laughs> yes. And that's Bert. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he's an ex-commercial diver. Oh, my God. He's, he's your boy. Oh, sorry. He's a commercial diver, yeah. an ex-naval clearance diver. So, yeah. He's, clearance. That's yeah. hardcore. He's a hardcore guy. Ooh. Yeah. Well, but a very I, friendly. I've got my paddy in Nowy like a million years ago and to get clearance, that's like a skyscraper yeah. above what I'm, I did. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, okay, he's so very he's, capable and yeah. he's got boats. He's yes. got a dive team, Whoa. so he's it's kind of the dream scenario. He's like a private army type. Thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Well, they go on all these amazing missions. So his business is called Iger Divers, and they get called up. You know, a boat sinks or in catches du- fire in Dubai or something. It's, yeah, it's yeah. amazing. It's like Thunderbirds. Jet. They yeah. mobilise and they're, and they're they're out the door. Thunderbird two is <laughs> going with Thunderbird four. In the, oh, I'm showing my age. Okay, stop that. So anyway, yes. he with all our in water stuff, he runs the sea farm, and he's just. Just got it all under control. Like what we're is it, learning. What does we a sea farm look like? Well, it's basically a series of ropes under the water. So this is similar so, to we we have a reference point, and the guys with eat it would have listened to uh, our old mate, and possibly you might know him. He's across the bay in Port Arlington. That would be Lance Whiffen at uh, Sea Bounty, who has a lot of muscle leases, and yeah. he puts the spat that goes on the ropes. And then you pull that and you're able to harvest. This is the same thing. You're propagating the kelp on rope. Exactly, yep. So what we do is we take a small sample of mature kelp um, from the, you know, the breed from Macrosystems, giant kelp. Mm. We bring it into our lab. And as I as I say this, like this we are like not the, experts, the, the right? Cam still... bat cave. <laughs> so we are still learning. Do you right? have do you have an Alfred? We don't. We no, need sorry, an Alfred. Okay. Yeah, We've got Alfred. a Rob. Yeah. He's the third partner, and okay. he's got an amazing science background. Yeah, but he doesn't so, make cups of tea. Okay. So, yeah. well, no, he won't do no, that. Won't unfortunately, do that. Yeah. I've tried. So, anyway. in the lab, you... yeah. So we we so basically we take this mature um, uh, sample that's yeah. that has reproductive tissue on it called Soros tissue. Soros. And yeah, and, like and we stress that George Soros. George Soros. Yeah, famous financier that everybody loves to hate. Anyway, oh, okay. how do you yeah, spell yeah. Soros? 
Uh, S-O-R, I think it might be just one R-U-S. Yeah, okay. So So, this is a special tissue that you can then propagate from. Yeah, yeah. So we stress that little bit of tissue and it releases literally millions of spore. That's not very nice. And we're ready to catch the spore in these little aquarium tanks that we have set up at Uh, just the right temperature and light. Okay. And you can't can't tell us the the details you have to kill us? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah, right. Don't even go there. So, um, yeah, so over about... Six you, weeks. You, they, it, the seaweed releases spores yes. and that's how it propagates. You yeah. then capture those spores, yeah. allow them to grow to a certain amount and then attach them or do they attach themselves? They attach them. So we've got bits of basically bits of PVC pipe about 30 centimetres long with twine wrapped around the outside mm. and they sit in these aquaria tanks mm. and the, the – um, the spore settles basically there mm. and starts to grow into a small plant gotcha. called a sporophyte. Mm. And at six weeks of age, we take those spools out to the farm at Flinders and unwind them, mm. wrap them around long lines about six or seven metres under the water. Mm. And then this is a magical thing about kelp. It needs nothing other than just excess nutrients in the water and sunshine and it just starts growing. And you're in the the great Southern Ocean. I mean, and you think about the the nutrient levels that are in the sea at that point, especially Flinders, is quite significant, would it not? Well, yes. Um, look, yeah, no. Is it a year now or just a year? There's a lot to it. I've made it sound really simple. Yeah. There's different nutrient loads at different times of the year. Gotcha. And so we're doing lots of experimentation with growing kelp at different depths mm-hmm. and you know, outplanning it at, in different times of the year to so try doing, and find out its sweet spot. So you're doing the seaweed trials at the moment and it's an yeah. ongoing thing to get that perfect sweet spot. Yeah, yeah, but um, it just so happens yeah. that I have some here well, that you so. can taste. Yeah, So this cool. is Macrocystis giant kelp that's come off the farm mm. and not many people have tasted this yet. Yes. So um, um, what are we looking at? So we're looking at green leaves. It's quite thin. It's, uh, it's quite a, a thin thing. I'll pass some to you too, man. And um, ooh, what, can we describe it, compare it to any other sort of leaf that we see? It's seaweed, you know. Um, not much of a smell to it because it's dry. Oh, it's a little bit. Um, mm. Mm, oh, it tastes delicious. Correct response. <laughs> mm. Wow, it's big. Um, umami, salt. Yeah. Um, oh, that's great. Right. Where's, my, where's the mountain goat? <laughs> <laughs> now, we, need a, we need a beer with that. Um, that's that's delicious. What do you think, man? I haven't tried it. Visu- visually, though, I mean, you're probably all thinking out there. I'm thinking seaweed. Your visual references, your nori that you wrap. Yes, your, so it's your, a different colour to that. It's not. It looks a little bit more like a like a dried sort of corn husk. Yeah. Oh, so that's, that's nice. Sort of vi- visually, or um, maybe maybe even a bamboo leaf, but paper thin, so cellophane yeah, thin. thin. Yes, yes. I haven't tasted it yet. Put it in your mouth. <laughs> so yeah, while we're huge. tasting seaweed, mm. now we're getting into it. I mm. should tell you that while we are farming this native kelp at Flinders, and all this mm. is for mm-hmm. food for humans, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we also dive for an invasive species called wakami or yeah. Andaria pinnatifida. Say so, that again slower. So <laughs> Andaria pinnatifida. Nice, catchy. So I like wakami. Yeah. It, so it's interesting because we eat wakami when we go and have like seaweed salad, Japanese or in miso soup, right? Or if you ever had, but, if you ever had a dashi, which is the backbone of Japanese culinary tradition, yes, you need wakami. Yes, exactly. Yes. So it actually managed to fu- accidentally come out in a ship's bilge in the 1980s and it's proliferated all through. It's not native here, right? No. It's so invasive. Along with a sea star. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's not good. Does it? Uh, not and good. what does it do to the environment? The problem is, is that it crowds out our native kelp because yeah. it's quite opportunistic and it yeah. grows very, very quickly. Yes. But it dies off. It's an annual plant. And it's surviving so, well because I've been hearing anecdotally of the great dieback of the native kelp forests of around the western coast of Tasmania yes. and around here. Is that a correct thing? Yes, that's yes. happening everywhere. Yes. Yeah, okay. for a few reasons. It's very bad. Yeah, that's yeah temperature. but climate change, yeah, sea yeah. temperature rising. So Wakame will, uh, it seems to handle the rise in the temperature? Yeah, it's fine. It's and the very robust, unfortunately. Uh, not as well, so that's why we have to give it really specific ideal conditions in the lab gotcha. and then probably Sorry. get out of the water. I, I cut you off. Back to the Wakame. So anyway, here, so we dive for this Wakame yep. in southern Port Phillip Bay. This Well, Wakame season's pretty much just finished now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we go, we dive down, we cut it with a sharp knife, yep. take it back to the warehouse in Dramana, rinse it, dry it, um, 
Yeah, with a dehumidifier. It's got a more profound smell to it, hasn't it? Yeah. It's very, very good. The one thing that I know about wakame, which I might be able to pass on, and you will know about this, but if you have this at home, is that you never put wakame into boiling water because it will release most of its nutrients between 60 and 90 degrees Celsius, I think is around there, but it releases more of its flavour and nutrients at lower temperatures. So uh-huh. if you are making dashi, you should bring it up from cold water, uh-huh. not, not in very hot water. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're selling this now. Yeah, chefs are buying it and telling us that it's got more flavour than anything that they've had imported, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Oh, God, that's just good. That is really, really good. So um, so chefs are, are buying that. So chefs yeah. that are, are listening, um, you can can they just call you find your website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. southernseagreens.com. Yeah. Mm. It um, tastes like seaweed. It's really, really great umami. Gluten I was going to say umami, big mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. I assume the salt in there is natural because it's in seawater. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but <laughs> no added salt. You could quite happily eat them instead of potato chips. I certainly would. Mm. Um, but that is one thing we probably should mention at this stage, folks, that if you um, – wakame is incredibly nutritious. Yeah, You want to go through the nutritional aspect, but then we need a little caveat at the end of that. <laughs> What's good about wakame? Well, yeah, it's amazingly flavorful. Um, mm-hmm. And removing it is helping our marine environment here. Yep. But um, yeah, it's amazingly nutritious. So more calcium than milk, more yep. iron than lean beef. Yep. Um, magnesium, I- zinc, iodine. Iodine, if yeah, richer source of iodine, spot yep. on. Yeah. Yeah, that you can get pretty and, much. And that's probably one thing we just need a very, very quick caveat that if you shouldn't overeat um, the wakame, because if you have thyroid problems. Um, it could uh, exacerbate those sort of things. But that doesn't mean to say, you know, you shouldn't have it. It's one of those Rosemary Stanton type things. Yeah, man? The everything in moderation. Everything in moderation. Yeah. yeah? Wakami doesn't have nearly as much iodine as other stuff, like mm. like giant kelp, for example. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the safe ones to eat. Yeah, it tastes great. It really, really does. Um, look at the website to see the range because there's a uh, – how do you say there's probably furake? Furikake. Furikake. There's that extra K. Furikake. Yeah, baby. It's, uh, the, <laughs> if you want to flavour your rice and all sorts of things, that's the way you do it. Cam, I can't tell you how great it is to see you after all this time. Thank you so much for having me back. It's unreal. <laughs> and give Dave a big hug for us if I you could. I can do that. Uh, yep. Next week, we've got the uh, the co-owners of Gewurzhaus coming in yeah. uh, to talk about uh, their years in the biz. Uh, Matt, we probably need to go, don't Yes, Indigenuity's up next, I'm sure. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website.